The U.S. men's national team kicked off the 2013 Gold Cup on the right foot, defeating Belize 6-1 on Tuesday night. This is the SBI Show. I am Garrett Cleverly. As always, with me is Ivis Galarsep. What's happening, man? Nothing much, Garrett. It's uh, 3 a.m. Eastern time, and uh, we're, we're ready to go. We had a busy night. We had to wait for that 11 p.m. Eastern time kickoff, but... Uh, it was well worth the wait for all the U.S. fans on the East Coast to stay up and see a bunch of goals. Yeah, a ton of goals in, in that game. I mean, you know, Speaking of which, I mean, the show's a little late. Did you already send out the tweet for the SBI Q&A? Actually, I did. I, uh, I, funny enough, someone, uh, one of our readers actually already had asked a question with the hashtag before I'd even sent the tweet out. So I think people are starting to figure it out uh, when, when it is we normally do our uh, show and Hopefully, uh, we'll start getting people to do it a little earlier in the day, so so everyone can get in on it. But uh, I did I did remember to send out the tweet already. Good. We'll be uh, interested to see what questions we get at uh, three Eastern uh, uh, midnight over here on the West Coast. <laughs> Uh, but as we said, Ivis, the U.S. men's national team, uh, outstanding performance for them, defeating Belize uh, 6-1 to in the Gold Cup opener for, for them. You know, quickly, Ivis, I mean, your knee-jerk reaction uh, to the result. Well, I, I don't think anyone was really surprised by the final outcome. I think the U.S. was always going to blow out Belize, you know, to be fair. just the mat- It was just always going to be a mismatch. Uh, what it was going to come down to was finishing. And if the U.S. was going to be able to finish chances, they were going to create chances. But as we've seen in this Gold Cup, you can't take anything for granted. But credit to the U.S. and credit to Chris Wondolowski. He took his chance as well. And it's so funny how before the Guatemala game, he had never scored a goal. And all anyone could remember was the bad miss he had in the 2011 Gold Cup, um, which, you know, for those who can't remember or have blocked it out from their memories, you know, he had a, he had a point-blank shot on the doorstep and uh, and just somehow missed it uh, at an impossible angle, but he did miss it. And that was probably his last good chance to score. And now he's back, and here he is, and he two straight games with a goal, and then he comes out on a night when his name is spelled wrong on his jersey. He comes out and scores three goals. I know. I, I noticed that like halfway. I think in like the twentieth minute, I was I was sitting there and I'm like, have I always been saying his name wrong? Is that how you spell it? Like I had to look it up for a second. Totally confused me. But when you take his play, Ivis, I mean, obviously the hat trick. I mean, you had to get. I mean, people are saying, oh, it's against Belize. I mean, regardless, he had a hat trick, an international play. That's impressive. I mean, his goals are impressive. Um, the header from Kyle Beckerman was great. I mean, he picked up that goal by creating, uh, by picking up the garbage as a poacher, and then and then the third goal. Um, that he had he out muscled a, a header on the on the near post. I mean that that's what we've seen Wondolowski do in MLS is create space and put himself in the right position for goals. I mean, is this something Ivis where maybe it's just been it's taken him some time to get acclimated, or or is it the competition? I mean, what could we see going forward from him? Well, you know, I don't think anyone should should start punching his ticket to Brazil just yet. But what I do think it does for him is obviously help boost his confidence and. Listen, you might think, okay, why would a guy who has led MLS in goals for, for, for the past few years need confidence boosting? But it's, it's a different level, you know? He has obviously had chances before this on the national team level, and he had, hadn't, up until recently, hadn't been able to find the net. And after a while, you start feeling that pressure. You know, I actually talked to, I talked to him about that. I remember talking to Wondolowski about that a year ago, at the beginning of last year, about his experience with the Gold Cup and and how, you know, eager he was to get back into the mix. And, you know, he talked about 
that that miss that he had in the 2011 Gold Cup and how, you know, his goal was to come out. His goal was to get better as a player all around. And, and starting and last year, you know, he really felt like he was improving his game, his all around game. Right. When it comes to passing, holding up the ball, uh, you know, pressuring, pressuring up, uh, opposing defenses, you know, all the everything, you know, the, the all, all the factors of being a forward. And I, I really feel like he's really rounded his game out. Now, does that mean he's someone who you can look at as a starter against top competition? You know, it, it's still early, but I, I think at least now he's heading in a positive direction. He's starting to gain confidence, and it's all about confidence when it comes to forwards. I mean, as we've learned with Jose, as we learned with Josie Altson, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, how long did he go without scoring? And then once he, you know, he came back when he, he came off this another amazing season at, at AZ. He came in confident, and it carried over, and then he just he crushed it in World Cup qualifying. And now Wanderlowski has a chance to do something similar, build on the game like this. And, you know, who knows what's going to happen now with these next few games. Does he start? Does he make way for Hercules Gomez? Uh, whatever happens, at least now, you know, he feels that much better about, about his ability to score with the national team. And I think it, the next time he gets an opportunity – he has a much, he has that much a better chance to to keep scoring. Well, I noticed that you named him the uh, SBI player of the match for the game. And speaking of confidence, uh, a couple other players who who had outstanding performances in the game: Landon Donovan, Stuart Holden. Who are some other guys that stood out for you in this game, Ivis? Well, I think mean, for me, Landon Donovan was uh, next on that list. When you talk about man of the match, you know he 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 made a case for himself for sure. Um, you know, he, he obviously scored a PK, but he also uh, had some pretty good assists uh, to set up a few goals and, and, and actually became, from what I understand, the first player in international soccer history to have record 50 goals and 50 assists for his national team. Now, you know, I don't know, uh, you know, how many national teams are recording assists. So, you know, who knows? But that's still well, an watch, impressive. Well, watch some. Impre- Watch some African country be like, oh, this guy 50 years ago did this, and here's the stats for that. Oh, just because that happened with Messi doesn't mean <laughs> it's going to happen again. Listen, it, it's a great accomplishment, He, but he, again, he played really well. He stepped it up, and again, it's Belize, right? You have to put it all in perspective, but I thought, you know, he, he really looks comfortable out there. He, he He's fitting in well with the team. Aside from the playing part of it, it really looks like he's he's fitting in with the guys. He, he's, he's made a, a seamless transition into the team again, right? Into into this, even with the new group of guys. And obviously, there's a lot of guys that he knows really well. I mean, Wondolowski has a great relationship. He knows Holden. Obviously, he knows Beasley, you know, one of his best friends. So, you know, he is he is fit right in. So he And and, and it's showing in how he's playing. Other guys who stood out, Stuart Holden had another good game, even though he had to come off the bench and, and, and only got a, got a half. But in that half, he was great. Uh, Mix Discarude, who got who got a bit of a surprise start, I thought stepped in and did well. Jose Torres is someone who I thought, you know, he had some struggles maybe early on, but, at, you know, after a while he settled in and, and I thought he actually played better. You know, I thought he, by the end of the match, I thought he had a pretty solid match. And he rebounded well because, you know, the Guatemala game was not a great game for him. So he did what he had to do in that regard. And uh, another player who I thought uh, came on strong at the end after a bad first half was Joe Corona. And we're talking about, you know, he's someone who needed to, you know, come out here and show what he can do. And and I thought he did that in the second half coming on strong. Yeah, you know, I was actually going to ask your comments on, on what you think about Torres and Corona and their performance so far. Because, you know, I think a lot of people were really excited to see what they could do. And, 
I mean, they played well at times, but maybe not to the expectations that some people were hoping for. Right. Well, you know, Corona, to be fair, in these two games now, the Guatemala game, the Belize game, he hasn't really uh, done as well as people would expect. You know, I think I, I think there's been some build up now, some anticipation about what he would be able to do once he was given the chance to actually get some minutes and get out there and play, you know, with with the national team. And so, you know, everyone's watched him with Tijuana, and they've, they've seen him, his game develop, and they, and they see him as this exciting young player, and they, and you want him to do well. And, and since he hasn't really taken the bull by the horns, it, it kind of becomes a letdown. But, you know, having said that, I mean, I think he has shown glimpses. I definitely think that. You see the qualities. You see what the hype's about. Why Jurgen Klinsman, Klinsman keep, um, bring, keeps bringing him in, and uh, today I thought in the second half he looked composed, he looked calm. I think he was pressing in the first half. I actually think he maybe he was feeling the pressure. You know, maybe he felt you know after that not so great game against Guatemala, he felt like this is it. I really if I don't get it done here, I'm gonna something's gonna happen. I don't know what happened at halftime. I don't know if Jurgen Klinsman took him to the side and said, "Listen, man, you're pressing. Take it easy. Just play your game." I I don't know what happened, but second half. Corona was a different player. He looked, he was more composed, more effective, more dangerous. And uh, I think he finally, in that second half, showed what he can do. And, and I think that's, uh, that's, it gives him something to build on. Um, for all the positives in the game, I mean, there were still, I, I think, a little scary moments for, for, for certain players, and, and, and especially the defensive back line. I mean, the goal that Belize scored was when it uh, looks like Clarence, and Goods, uh, Clarence Goodson excuse me, and, and Michael Parker's kind of just uh, looks like they bumped into each other and the guy had unmarked inside the box. Going forward, what are your causes for concern for the team? Well, as far as who didn't play well, I mean, I think Kyle Beckerman, and I know he has his critics, right? There's, it, it, I don't know if there's a player right now in the pool who, who draws, who generates as much negative criticism as he does, right? I mean, people are mean. Well, you know what? There's something to be said for some of the stuff, but I think it's a little overboard, and I think it just comes down to the fact that he's not, he's not a, a, a sexy, flashy player. He's not an attacking player. And that's all people care about. People want attacking players. People want. Players who can who can you know deliver an amazing pass, score score a quality goal, and that's just you know that's not his forte, right? I mean, at least on the national team setup. I mean, in MLS he does it right. For Real Salt Lake, he can score. He has scored great goals, and uh, you know he he he's set up greatest. He's had great assists in MLS. National team, his his role is the number six role, play in front of the defense, lock things down. Uh, and, and and so he he doesn't have like these responsibilities of having to create and be this dynamic player. And I think because of that, you know, it's almost like that people use that against him. Because you know, I, I, one of the things I keep seeing is people talk about, oh, you know, he has too many negative passes. It's a, you know, everything's a back pass, everything's a side side pass. But you know what, folks, possession is important. Keeping the ball is important, and not every pass is going to be a forward pass. So. You know, I, I think he does get Kyle Beckerman. Just he he only had four uh, unsuccessful passes in the game, so it's not like he's giving the ball up all the time, like people make it out to be. Well, that's the thing, right? I mean, I I think it's I think he gets too much criticism. I will say that. Having said that, you played Belize today, 
and I thought he pressed today. I thought he was pressing. I, I thought he he looked a little uncomfortable. And obviously, it's tough when you're in when, you, when you're playing against a team that's bunkering in like Belize bunkered in. It's tough as a central player uh, to find room to operate. Obviously, when you're playing on the wing, you can you you know you can whip balls in and be effective that way. But when you're a central player and you and you have this two blocks of four, just eight eight to ten, you know, basically ten bodies in front of the goalkeeper. Um, it, it's just really tough to to get going there. And even mixed this group, I mean, I wouldn't say he like tore it up either. He had the same issues, you know, trying to just get through that wall of, of, of Belize uh, defenders. But, you know, I do think Beckerman pressed. I do think he made some mistakes. Uh, he did. He had some turnovers. Um, but I still think he serves a purpose. You know, I think I think he here's what it is. Right. People want four attacking players in the midfield like, they, you know, and I can understand. Right. Belize. Do you need a pure number six against Belize, a team that like barely made it over the midfield stripe like more than two or three times all game probably not but again each game is about building up to the to the knockout rounds exactly and and Kyle Beckerman is going to be the defensive midfielder most likely in the knockout rounds against the tougher teams you can't get away with four attack-minded midfielders against a good team right you can't that's not realistic i mean and i and, and i think some people don't get that i think some people are, are in video game mode where they where they just start you know the well, you know they want 11 attackers on the well team, they, they right? don't yeah well they don't realize that this is also an opportunity for you're gonna like you said to try things out against please i mean of course you're gonna beat them i mean if you beat them not eight to one is there any difference between eight to one to six to one to five to one i mean those are big number of goals that you're scoring. I mean, this is, like you said, an opportunity for you're going to try things out by putting Kyle Beckerman in. And there's also probably other things that he was trying out in the game, too, to see what works and what doesn't work with this team or, or maybe with the senior team. Right. Well, here's the thing, right? What what Beckerman allows you to do on this team, when you look at the way this roster is made up, what Beckerman allows you to do is keep him in front of the defense, help, help him bolster the back line, and free up whoever plays in front of him to, to create and to be more involved in the attack tonight to, tonight it was it was obviously mixed discrude who was who was stationed in front of him and going forward it, there's a good chance it's going to be Stuart Holden whoever it is they're not going to have to worry about the well they're not going to worry as much about the defensive responsibilities of central midfield because that is Beckerman's job that's what he brings to the table that's what he does it's not it's not always pretty. They're not, a, you know. There's going to be a lot of back passes and side passes, but you know what? If he keeps possession, and if he can get the ball from the defense and get and and circulate it up to the attack, he's doing his job. Did he did he do it great today? I I don't know. I don't know if he did. I don't think he did. But at the same time, while I won't say he, I won't say he had a great game today or or, or that good a game today. I see the role that he can play, and I see the role that Jurgen wants him to play, and and. I know people want to have Mixed Discrude and, and Stuart Holden on the field together and, and have them dance around uh, opponents, uh, you know, in the midfield. And you know what? Those guys are very talented, right? And and ideally, you try you find a way to get them on the field, but it's just tough. To, you can't have them and not have Holden. I mean, and not have Beckerman. That's just what it boils down to. So which one is it? Are you going to play a 4-1-4-1 and then only have one forward? Then where do you put Landon Donovan, right? Do you put him on the wing? So, so it's that's what it's going to come down to. I think Beckerman's going to keep, find a role on this team, especially come the later parts of the, of the tournament when you need an anchor in front of the defense. 
Uh, and people just need to deal with it, right? It's not pretty, right? You can't, you know, you have your, your like, I know that there's this old saying, uh, you need your piano players and you need your p- piano carriers. And Kyle Beckerman is a piano carrier. He he will do the dirty work on this national team in midfield. You need that. And, he, and it, it might, it's not going to be pretty, but you need that work done. And that's what the role he plays. He didn't have a great game today. By any, by no means. I, I'm not. I'm not letting him get. Away. I'm not going to sit here and pretend that Kyle Beckerman had a good game today. He didn't. There's a reason he came out at halftime. That being said, uh, later in the tournament, I really see him playing a role against the, against the better teams in this tournament. What about the rest of the team? Guys like Parkhurst and Beasley in the back line with uh, uh, Roscoe and Goodson. What, what, how do you assess their performance? Well, let's see. Let's let's go. Let's run them down real quick. As far as Parkhurst. I was surprised a bit at, at his. I don't know. He just seemed a little. He seemed a little off. I thought he was better against Guatemala. I thought he was more confident in confident against Guatemala. And what's funny is though he had a you know he had a great ball in for for you know one of the goals, one of one lost his goals. So he can he did contribute to the attack in that regard. And I know a lot of people have questions about that. Can he contribute to the attack? Can he get the ball uh, and provide some service from the flank? And and one of the things to be fair, you got to point out. Belize was really bad at putting pressure on the wings. They pretty much gave the the, the U.S. players like all day to, to to provide service from the flanks. And you know what? These U.S. players are pretty good. And if you give them space and you just give them time and space to to send balls in, they're going to send good balls in eventually. And that's what happened. You had, you had just service flying in left and right because Belize just couldn't put pressure on the on the wings. Uh, so, you know, Parkhurst, it wasn't his best game, but he's going to be the guy. And I know some MLS folks will be like, hey, Tony Beltran's great for Real Salt Lake. When's he going to get his chance? You know what, folks? Mark Parkhurst is better than Tony Beltran. I'm just going to say it. It just comes down to it, right? He is better. Tony Beltran's promising player, but, you know, for me, if it's a, if it's one or the other, you're going to go Parkhurst. You, he is going to be your guy in this tournament. Um, you know, unless unless Parkers has a real meltdown at some point, but I think he's still a quality player, and I think you know what people need to put things in context. All right, he didn't play at Augsburg, right? His move to the Bundesliga didn't work out like he wanted. The fact still remains: we're talking about a guy who less than a year ago was playing well in the Champions League for Norwich Island, playing against teams like Juventus and Shakhtar Donetsk, right? I mean, quality opponents. And he held his own. He played well. He were he parlayed that into a transfer, uh, parlayed that into a contract with a Bundesliga team. He is that good. He is he earned that. He's a quality player, and 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 that is the player that he is. He does it doesn't he doesn't suddenly not he doesn't suddenly stop being that player because his situation at Augsburg goes south and he's now not getting minutes. He's still a good player, and you know for me he's going to keep this right back job throughout the tournament. Okay, what about the rest of the guys? <laughs> Are we going to go through all eleven guys? Well, no, I was just—I mean, was just—I mean, we don't need to well, go in depth about is, them. Not but everyone had an interesting day. I mean, Clarence Goodson—you know what? He didn't really do much. I mean, it seemed like in the first half he decided that he was just going to get forward, and he started—you know—he started thinking he was, you know, David Luiz. Uh, whenever David Luiz decides yeah, I he was dribbling at Chelsea, you know, he was okay, right? But I mean, again, how much did he have to do? Uh, uh, one thing I will say: Parkhurst was to blame for the goal. He lost his mark. He has to do better there. But then he made up for it. He got an assist right after that. So yeah. you got to give him credit for, yeah. for bouncing back. Beasley, you know, he was solid. But, he, again, he didn't have much to do defensively. He tried to get forward. 
so I, you know, it, it was it wasn't a it wasn't a bad game. It was it was an okay game. You know, he didn't have a ton to do. Uh, I think we I feel like we've talked to everybody in the in, in the lineup. Well, you know, I, you know b- before the game, I think a lot of eyebrows were raised when people saw the starting eleven. Is is there a reason why Jurgen maybe sent out this team and had so many? Different guys playing, you know, versus the game that we saw in Guatemala against Guatemala and San Diego. Well, from what I understand, after the game, he talked about that and he addressed it, and he did, and and it's what I thought it was. I mean, and I I tweeted this before the game. Um, you know, he they played on turf tonight in Portland, and as much as you hear about how great the turf is in Portland and how amazing it is, the best turf in the history of ever, right? He still did not want to send out guys to play on turf who have had knee issues and injury issues. And look at the guys who didn't play tonight. Stuart Holden. We all know about his injury situations, especially his leg, his knees. Oguchenyewu, another guy who's had injury issues with his knees. Hercules Gomez, as recently as last month, was dealing with some injury issues with his knees coming off the the club season with uh, Santos Laguna, and it it actually forced him to, to miss the June games. So... Those were the three surprises that they weren't in the lineup. And what do you know? Those are three guys who had some knee issues, and that's why they didn't play in Portland. So one, now that we accept that and understand that, I mean, it, it definitely can hopefully calm some, you know, maybe calm some nerves, I guess, from people who were, like, freaking out over the over the lineup, right? I mean, I think some people were definitely scratching their heads at, at the whole whole situation. But I think people need to realize, right, we're playing the Gold Cup. Group stages, three games in eight days. You're not going to have the same starting lineup for three games in eight days, followed by the knock, knockout runs. You need to, you know, you need to manage some minutes. You have a 23-man roster. You have to use it and pick your spots. And this was a clear opportunity to give some other guys a chance and to avoid situations that could leave leave players injured who might be susceptible to it. And what happened in the process? Well, Chris Wondolowski scores a hat trick. And he's on form. He's he's looking really good now. Michael Orozco scored a goal, and I thought he looked pretty solid. So that right there, you had those two guys do do well. You had Mix Discarud, you know, step in and do well. Um, so so the you know the people who who were able to step in and take advantage of the opportunities took them, and they all played well. So if you're Jurgen Klinsmann, you got to be feeling pretty good about yourself. The guys you gave chances to all stepped up. And now the guys that you rested, you know they're going to want to come out uh, firing against Cuba on two, on on uh, you know on Friday. So it's going to be interesting to see how that works out. Actually, Ivis, that game is going to be on Saturday. And talking about Saturday, the USA's next opponent is going to be Cuba. They uh, opened up their uh, Gold Cup with a loss to Costa Rica, three to zero. But you know, I, Cuba's really not going to challenge that much, but might be more of an opponent than Belize will possibly. You know, you would think that when you look at the the rankings and and how the teams qualified, but uh, I don't know, man. Cuba looked pretty terrible against uh, against Costa Rica. Now you give them credit, right? They they held Costa Rica scoreless in the first half. Mm-hmm. It was zero zero at halftime, but you just didn't see anything from their attack. You didn't. You just didn't. I mean, in Belize, as much as Belize bunkered in, right, against the U.S. Uh, you know, they scored on a set piece. Uh, well, that's pretty much all they did. But yeah. you just, I don't know, I just came away more impressed with Belize, even though they got destroyed 6-1. I, I, for some reason, I just, I came away more impressed with them than I was with Cuba. I, I just, maybe maybe because I thought, you know, that Cuba won the Caribbean tournament, right? So, so right there, you're thinking, oh, this could be a strong Cuba team. 
So you so the expectations are up a little bit. But they just, you know, aside from being very organized defensively in the first half against Costa Rica, Costa Rica's been dominated both both halves, but didn't put chances on in the first half. Um, but the second half, Cuba was awful, man. They were awful. And I just honestly, it's got, it's not going to be pretty on, on Saturday. The U.S. should, absolutely should, be able to blow Cuba away. They should three, four, five goals. Easy, right? I mean, Costa Rica, uh, it took them a half, but they put three on them in the second half, and, and, and they made it look easy. And the way the U.S. is playing right now, with the way Landon Donovan's playing, Stuart Holden's playing, uh, I, I, I see them blowing Cuba away and then setting up what should be the battle for first place against Costa Rica with the winner taking first place in the group. Well, I guess we can save the uh, U.S.-Cuba uh, prediction and, and uh, preview of the game for Thursday's show when you and I will come back and we'll preview the game on Thursday's show. Keeping it U.S. men's national team related, Josie Altidore's, I know people keep saying, oh, you talk about the same thing on the show. Well, okay, Josie Altidore, it's probably the last time we'll mention it. His transfer is finally complete. He's now a uh, Sunderland player, and uh, I, I think it was, what, the highest record uh, ever? He, he reset the record for transfer fee? Well, we don't know the official word yet. Uh, on a transfer... Uh, so until we hear that, I think we will hold off on that, on any proclamations on whether the record has been broken, which he already held. Yes, uh, the $10 million transfer to Villarreal from the Red Bulls. Uh, there, I, I know there's reports of a, that this new transfer is $13 million. Uh, I haven't gotten that confirmed, so and I haven't seen that from a, a variety of sources yet. So until we get a little bit more confirmation on it, we'll, we'll hold off on what the number is. But either way. It's done. He is signed, sealed, and delivered. He is going to Sunderland. He's going to be part of the Black Cats for this this upcoming season. And it's, I tell you what, I, I, I feel like we've said it for a few shows now. It just blows me away the negative reaction to this move because you know. And I know we've I know we've already addressed it, but I just I just it's just hilarious to me that I, I feel like people uh, I feel like some people who are critical of it. Uh, don't really get that Sunderland's history goes beyond them uh, finishing one place out of, releg- out of relegation danger last year. They didn't have a good year last year. Definitely not. They were pretty awful last year. That, but that is not like the, that's not what they're destined to be every year, right? I mean, I think they're gonna, they're going to rebound. I personally think that you know it's clear they're spending money this offseason to revamp their team. And I think if Josie Altidore plays as well as we think he can play, I think they have a very good chance uh, of, of turning things around. And teams are always up and down. I mean, look at Newcastle. I think they finished, what, fifth, fifth. last year and finished right. what this year? Like, I mean, there was a time when I think everyone thought they could have been going down. I mean, that Newcastle, it's amazing. Um, keeping it in the Premier League, uh, new Everton manager Roberto Martinez has brought over one of his former players from uh, Wigan, uh, Joel Robles, goalkeeper. Uh, for Tim Howard, what, what, what does this mean for him? Well, you know what it boils down to is, you know, if you if you're if you're going to be a team that wants to compete, you want to have competition at all positions, right? If you have aspirations to be a Champions League team or contend for Champions League place, which you know Everton, you know that seems to be the the, the idea. Uh, you know, even though Dave David Moyes is left, they, you know, there's still that talk that you know they are going to invest, they're going to try to compete and stand near the top, near somewhat somewhat near the top of the table. You need to, you need competition for places, and I think one of the talk, one of the things that was discussed last year is the is the idea that maybe Howard Tim Howard 
needs some competition to keep him fresh, right? Because, you know, it's easy to say that, you know, maybe if you don't have anyone pushing you, it, you can slack, right? Or your, your, or your, your form can dip when you don't have that pressure constantly on you. And, and, and listen, the new goalkeeper, Robles, he's, he's a talented keeper. Anyone who followed the, you know, Wiggins run in, in the FA Cup, you saw it. The guy's got talent. He's a, he's a good young keeper. Is, is he going to take Tim Howard's job? I don't see that happening. I, Tim Howard, to me, is, is clearly a better goalkeeper. But, again, you also want to look at the future. Now, Roberto Martinez, Roberto Martinez, as the guys in England say, you know, he, I don't think he's a short-term option at Everton, right? I think he's someone who wants to stay at Everton for a long time. And Tim, Tim Howard's not getting any younger, right? He's in his mid-30s. You don't know how many more years he's going to stay there, at what point he wants to come, you know, back to MLS. I know he wants to do that eventually. So if you can go go get a talented young goalkeeper that you are familiar with, that you have a relationship with, why not go get him, right? I think, A, it helps you for the future. B, it helps uh, create competition in the locker room and push the established incumbent starters. So I think that that's nothing but positive for Everton. And for Tim Howard, I tell you what, I can tell you right now, I don't think Tim Howard's worried at all. I think, if anything, that's going to give him, again, it's going to give him some motivation. It's going to give him a reason to get going and, and just remind everybody who he is, what he can do, what he's done. Uh, and I know some people were already talking last year about, you know, his his, his form is dipping. He's, he's, he's not as good as he used to be. Uh, but I tell you what, folks, after he came back from the back injury, Tim Howard was outstanding. Tim Howard, I don't, I don't have the, the record in front of me, but I mean, he, he put together a nice run of shutouts. Uh, when he came back from the back injury, and and you know he said it, 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 he felt refreshed. The break actually was a good one, was a good thing for him. So you know I I, I tell you what, any, anyone who's written him off already, or anyone who thinks oh you know what maybe not maybe he's no longer gonna maybe he no longer is the best American goalkeeper. I tell you what, folks, slow your roll on that one. He still is. Brad Guzan is the future, right? Brad Guzan will be the number one, but his time is not now yet. I think somehow it's still the guy still the leader and, and still good enough to be, you know, worthy of starting there and for Everton. And Ivis, uh, in MLS news, DC United had a very busy Tuesday. They traded for a player. They signed a homegrown player. They loaned out a player. Um, and clearly they're, they're really thinking about the future already. I mean, this season is, is pretty much over for them. So, I mean, already planning for the future. If you're a DC United fan, I mean, I think you have to be happy with the move so far. It was a guy. I tell you what, it was a good day. If you're, there haven't been many good days for these United fans this year, but it, I think it was a really, really good day for them. I mean, it start, you start off with they sold Alain Rochat to uh, to the Swiss team, Young Boys Bern, uh, for a reported fee of half a million. Um, and obviously, when when you, you can make a move like that for a player who clearly was not happy with being traded to DC, I just think he wasn't happy at all with being traded. You know, he was just the whole idea was foreign to him that, 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 you know, the whole getting traded to a different team in midseason and really don't not having any say in the matter. So they get rid of a disgruntled player, they get money and they turn around and make a trade, uh, to acquire Luis Silva. And I gotta say, I love this trade. I love it because Luis Silva is a talented attacking midfielder, uh, you know, American born and bred who, you know, in Tor- he just in Toronto, he just never really got settled in there. You know, his rookie year, he, he was one of the only bright spots on the team. 
but now under this under under the new leadership with Ryan Nelson as head coach, you know he struggled to fit in. You know he he just it, it wasn't a good fit for him, and uh, it's clear Toronto FC has other moves lined up that that they're getting ready to make. And I know there's all this talk about Diego Forlan, but nothing has been confirmed yet. Nothing is official. At this point, it looks like that, uh, you know, it's not done. So anyone out there, like, trying to, you know, buy their Diego, uh, their their Forlan TFC jerseys, you might want to take it easy a little bit because it's still, there's still nothing done on that front. But, but if you want to if you want to buy your Ivis Galarsep jerseys, that's okay though. No, well, not not TFC probably. I don't think TFC would sell Galarsep jerseys. But anyway, especially yeah, <laughs> Kevin Payne would not allow that because he's not a big fan. But listen, you you DC United, you, you know they, they they made out in the Chiefs USA, uh, you know, uh, fire sale. They went and got Casey Townsend for peanuts, a first round pl- uh, a pick uh, two years ago, and now they've done it again. They go get a player who is who a lot of teams were interested in trading for. I mean, I, I I've known this for a while now that teams have inquired about Luis Silva on multiple occasions to Toronto FC, and Toronto had not had just chosen not to trade. Now I don't know how much money DC had to hand over to Toronto FC to get Luis Silva, but I love this move because I think Silva fits in well with the with the nucleus of players that they have in DC, the young talent. I mean, when you talk about their midfield. Uh, they added Jared Jeffrey recently, another young, you know, young and talented midfielder. You add those guys to Perry Kitchen, who you know is obviously one of the best young defensive midfielders in the league. Then you have Nick DeLeon, who was one of the top rookies last year. Uh, you know that that is a nice group, right? That's a good group to build around. Talented nucleus in midfield. Uh, you know what? Dwayne DeRozan is not getting any younger. He's not going to be around forever. You got to start building for the future, and I think. Adding a player like Silva, you know what? He wouldn't be the first player to leave Toronto and all of a sudden just blossom. I think he's going to be the next one to do that. I think he's going to go to D.C. and do well. It might not be right away. It might not be this year. But I see big things ahead for Luis Silva. Also, D.C. United uh, signed homegrown player Colin Martin, who was supposed to go to Wake Forest. But D.C. United signed him. And uh, maybe he'll see some playing time this season. Ivis, there's also some big news going on in Portland, uh, what, what, could, what could it possibly be? Well, there's an announcement set for Wednesday, and Don Garber is in town. Uh, it's going to be a press conference with Don Garber, Merritt Paulson, the Portland Timbers owner, and the mayor of Portland. And generally, when you get a mayor, an owner, and Don Garber together, it's either going to be MLS expansion, uh, MLS Cup announcement, Although now that's no longer the case because the highest seed hosts MLS Cup, so that's not it. Or an All Star Game announcement, and that so that's the one that's making the rounds now. That's the hot rumor Port, that Portland will be the host of the 2014 uh, All Star Game, and you know nothing official yet. Nothing. I haven't even seen anything. I haven't still haven't even seen a report claiming that it's a done deal based on like according to sources. Like we're not even getting that yet. I haven't gotten gotten anything confirmed from my people, uh, but it just seems to fit well. And and the the smoking gun in the whole thing is Merritt Paulson, a few months back, tweeted something that seemed like a giveaway of that fact that that Portland was, you know, pushing for the All Star Game, and he tweeted something like, uh, you know, uh, you know, I don't know where, 
you know, I would love for the All-Star game to be in Portland, but I don't know when that'll be. Hint, hint. I don't remember the exact tweet, but it was something that was like, yeah, typical Mary Paulson, you know, like he, he can't keep a secret. The guy, like, when he has something he wants everyone to know, he struggles to keep it to himself. And he had one of these tweets that, and now everyone's circulating uh, now because it kind of fits in with this whole idea that, that Portland's going to host the All-Star game. And that's great, right? Listen, Portland deserves it. They, they, they have that amazing atmosphere there. We saw it uh, Tuesday night with the U.S. game. Great atmosphere, amazing TIFO. Uh, and you got to get, and, you know, getting back to the U.S., I know we're, we're in MLS time right now, but I, I do want to go back and, and give the fans in Portland credit. Uh, because there's all this talk, I, I, you know, from my time in Portland and my time up in Seattle, Pacific Northwest, there's this perception that, you know, the Timbers fans and the Sounders fans, uh, you know, don't get along with uh, national team, the the the, U, the U.S. supporters groups. When you talk about American Outlaws, who's the they're the main supporters group now, uh, they've taken over. They are the group. So there's there's been this perception that you know you know it's club versus country, you know there's Timbers fans who just aren't necessarily U.S. fans or who aren't going to buy into the AO thing. But I tell you what, I, I saw nothing but solidarity in the stands at Jeldwin. You didn't see a ton of green. And listen, folks, when are we going to get this through our heads, folks? If your if if your stadium, if your home venue is going to host a U.S. national team game. Can you please, for that one day, not wear your club stuff, your club gear, your club jersey, your, your team's attire? Can you please go get yourself a U.S. national team jersey? Can you? Can it? Would it kill you to like get a T-shirt? Or you can't afford a jersey? Fine, get a U.S. national team T-shirt. Or wear, or wear a red shirt. A red T-shirt. Go get a red T-shirt. Support your country that day. Right, I mean, and and, and it just that I don't know. It's a pet, it's a pet peeve of mine. It yeah. irks my nerves when I see people who are just sitting there and they're like in their club attire. Is is annoying. It's annoying, and I mean, like you know what? It's like congratulate. It's like I always want to go up to them and go, "I know you're a sports fan. Congratulations! I know you're at the game, so I know you're a sports fan. You don't need to wear the shirt to remind me that you are. Like that's how I view it. I hate it. I don't. I mean, it's not even that, but it's just like you look around, right? I mean. Jeldwen for Timbers matches, everybody's in Timbers gear, right? But now if you're at Jeldwen and everyone's in U.S. gear and you're standing there in your Portland Timbers jersey or your Portland Timbers t-shirt, like how do you not just notice that maybe you did something wrong? And it's not just Portland. I'm not trying to pick on Portland because it's happened at other venues too. Trust me. Whether it's Kansas City, whether it's Seattle, there's always a, there's always some people who just don't get the memo. And you know what? It's it's not the biggest crime in the world. I'm not saying that, but for me, it's just a kind of a pet peeve because it's like I would love nothing more, love nothing more than to see a full American stadium where everybody's wearing red, white, and blue stuff, U.S. stuff, U.S. national team stuff, right? Just one time. Can we ever get that? Can we? How about the in Columbus, right? When because this that's the next home game, right? That's the next. Uh, U.S. you know full U.S. team home game. Right? Mm -hmm. Everyone going to Columbus, take your U.S. stuff, and if you just don't do it, don't take your you know because uh, you know the, the the U.S. Mexico game. Everyone's going to travel for it. Everyone's going to you know people from all fifty states will be there, right? That's probably what's going to happen. 
So, people, you're going to be packing your suitcases. You're going to be driving 8, 10, 12, 15, 20 miles. I mean, uh, hours. I mean, because I've heard these stories about people driving ridiculous lengths of time to get to go to go to these games. Pack your U.S. stuff. And you, you what? You don't you don't have a U.S. jersey. You can't afford one. Then fine. Get yourself a red a red T-shirt. Right. Or if you can't get a red one, get a white one or get a blue one. Don't bring your M- random MLS team jersey. Don't do it. Don't bring your Union jersey, your Sporting KC jersey, your Sounders. Don't do it. Just bring something U.S. national team related, and and just make it make it about the national team, right? Just do it. Like it's not it's not that difficult. Ivis, uh, geez, that's quite the rant right there. You doing okay? I'm doing all right, man. I just you know, <laughs> I don't know what it was. You know what it was? I I think I saw a replay of uh, of the t- the TIFO. The 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 the, poor, the folks in Portland did an amazing job with the TIFO, and and as you're as I'm just looking at the, in the stands, you know, you saw like white, red, white, and blue, red, white, and blue, and then like, and then there's kind of a couple of random people who just didn't get the memo and just had to wear their like Portland stuff, and I'm just and, and so that that stuck in my head, and I was like, you know what, I am gonna have to go there, I am gonna have to talk about it because you know what, you're gonna have this happen in other places. I mean, look, Real Salt Lake, they. Uh, Rio Tinto. Oh my God, Ivis! Here you go again. You're gonna, you're gonna you're gonna start all over again on the rant. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Listen, folks, in in, in Rio at in Real Salt Lake, Rio Tinto, don't wear your your cobalt and claret. Wear red, white, and blue. Yes. All right, Ivis. It's it's near the end of the show. We, let's let's cheer you up. Let's get into the SBI Q and A. I'm in a good mood, man. I know I'm you are. I'm up on energy drinks over here, trying to stay awake at 4 a.m. in Eastern I mean, time. You pounded, I know you've pounded already like five Red Bulls since we started this. Uh, I'm sorry. Here's the first question from Jonathan Wilmoth. Wilmoth. So who uh, so who makes way for LD in the starting lineup for qualifiers, not Zuzi? Uh, I'll tell you what. That's such a tough question, man. Landon Donovan, what happens? Um, well, let's see. If you go 4-2-3-1, right? And you're gonna have Bradley and uh, Bradley Jones in, in in the deep midfield roles, and you have Dempsey, Zusi, Donovan, and Josie Altidore in front of them. Who are we forgetting? I think that's uh, you know who can make way. I tell you what, Demarcus Beasley might actually wind up making way because then you've, if you put Fabian Johnson at left back, mm-hmm. uh, and then you slide in Landon Donovan on the left. And then Zussi on the right, and Clint Dempsey centrally. Then there you go. That's your lineup. Uh, and then obviously you can adjust based on on availability, or you know if anyone's injured. I mean, how often you always have injuries. You have yellow, you know, red cards, yellow cards, suspensions, that kind of thing. Uh, it's a little. It'd be a little tough for for Beasley. You know, obviously Beasley's done well and really established himself as an option at left back. But you know, if you want to talk about the absolute most dangerous lineup you can put out there. I think Fabian Johnson at left back, and uh, and a midfield and a, and a attacking attacking six of Altidore, Donovan, Dempsey, Zusi, Bradley, and Jones. I think that's pretty good, man. I think that if if you can get them all healthy, that's a pretty good pretty good spot. For me, Stewart Holden over Jones, and I'm on board with that. Ivis, next well, question. That's, that, yeah, no, no, no. Next question. Now you brought it up, so now we're going to get into that because we I think we brought, we talked that question came up last show. Yes, down the road, I could definitely see Stewart Holden taking over for Jermaine Jones, but I think for now, I think for the September games, I don't know if it's going to happen that quickly. I think Jermaine Jones is the guy for now. 
and I think he's going to be the guy for the rest of the important games this year. Things can change, though. Yes. 2014, everything changes, I yeah, think. We can see. All right, Avis. The next question comes from Nihal. Do you think Torres or Beckerman start the next game? Uh, Beckerman or Torres. I, you know what? I, I didn't think Torres did badly tonight. Um, so I don't know if he's going to necessarily get benched. Um, it depends. It depends what Holden's uh, situation is, how – how Jurgen feels. I think he almost. I think you almost have to go. Uh, you have to go hold him. I think if if the issue was the turf, and that's why you didn't want to uh, start him. Um, I think you have to start him against uh, against Real Salt Lake. Uh, Discrude played well. I, I, I will give him that. Um, but if you want to kind of circ- you know rotate things a bit, uh, if he just played this, you know, did he play ninety? Refresh my memory here. Did Miss Discrude go ninety? Uh, yes, he did. Well, there you go. I don't. I don't see him after having gone ninety tonight. I don't know if I see him starting. So I think you could see Stuart Holden coming in as a starter for uh, for Mixed Discrude, and then I think you can see Torres Torres still be in the lineup. Next question comes from Dan Long. Is it time for Tony Beltran to get a shot at right back? Uh, I touched on this earlier. You know, I, I think uh, no. Parker's didn't have his best game, but I think he's going to be the guy. You know, I think. Um, could Beltran get a game? Possibly, you know. And if you're going to have him get a game, Cuba, uh, you know, could be a pretty good spot to put him in, especially at home, right? He's going to be at Rio Tinto. You, you, you know, Jurgen loves that that kind of stuff. So you could see, you know, all the all, all the Real Salt Lake guys getting nods there. Um, so, man, you know what? I'll tell you what. It's a possibility, and it wouldn't shock me at all. But I tell you what, I, I, do I think Beltran's going to be the guy come the knockout rounds or the guy against Costa Rica? No, I don't see it. I think Parker's is better. I think he, you know, he, the, the, one of the points of this tournament for him, especially, you want to get him going. You want to get him some games, get him in a rhythm, uh, help him hit the ground running in uh, this upcoming season uh, in Europe. So you know what, Beltran could start at Rio Tinto, be a nice touch. But I think when the when the knockout rounds come. I think uh, Parker's is still your guy right back. Uh, next question comes from Kyle Buckley. Do you think the defense of set pieces is a cause for concern as the USA gets deeper into the Gold Cup? Well, look, I don't know if one blown assignment uh, on, a, on a set piece necessarily means there's a problem and there's an issue that, that's like a epidemic, right? I, I don't know if that's the problem. I will say that once you have Oguchi Onyebu in there, I think he helps still, right? I mean... Whatever you want, whatever you want to say about his, you know, him not looking sharp yet, or him, you know, not looking comfortable on the ball. One thing that guy can do is still head balls away and deal with aerial threats. He still can absolutely be a force in that from that standpoint. And I think they they could have definitely used that uh, tonight, uh, especially on that well on that play. But again, I, I, I don't know if that's something that's going to become a, a serious serious problem to worry about this tournament. The next question comes from Michael Williams. Why isn't Jack McInerney getting minutes in this Gold Cup? Well, I'll tell you what, um, Micah. I said it before the tournament began that, you know, Jurgen Klinsmann wants to bring him along slowly. He is a young player. He is not even 21 years old. There is no rush, right? You don't need to – there's other guys that, that are ready to do the job now that, that they're taking a look at. Right now it's about getting him – uh, getting Jack McInerney familiarized with the setup, getting him, ex- having him be exposed to the high-level training, the high-level of competition and practice that he's going to see on a regular basis. 
that's the first step for him, right? You know, you're not going to send it. So you're not, he, it's like his first real senior team experience. You're not going to throw him in. You're not going to throw him in the deep end. You're not, right? There's no point in doing that. So I know you. I know Union fans are dying to see him play. I know MLS fans are dying to see him play, and I know U.S. national team fans who love young, young, young players are dying to see him play because he is quote unquote the future. But guess what, folks? It's not that time just yet. And that doesn't mean anything as crazy as happening. It doesn't. It's not the end of the world. It doesn't mean he's not gonna be good enough. It doesn't mean he doesn't have a national team future. It just means that Klinsman knows a little bit about forwards. He knows a little bit about not wanting to rush young talent. And you know what? If he didn't see something in Jack McInerney, Jack McInerney would not be on this team. So anyone that's in panic mode and thinking, oh, he doesn't like McInerney, he's not even playing him, he hates him, whatever. No, folks, he's there. He's in camp. If he didn't rate him, he wouldn't be there. So I think that's a pos- That's the positive people need to look at and need to take it easy and just and just appreciate the fact that Klinsman is not going to rush him. I have I don't know how many times I have had Klinsman talk to me about these these young American players who've who've you know had so much pressure put on them and then you know they've crumbled or they've not met expectations. So he's seen it, right? He knows all about the horror stories. He doesn't want to say, he doesn't want to have that happen to McInerney. He is not going to rush him. Uh, last question comes from Brian Abernathy. Uh, it's a two-parter, Ivis. What city do you enjoy most enjoy visiting? And the number second question is, what city do you enjoy partying while you visit? <laughs> well, I tell you what. It, it, no offense to anyone in Cleveland, but it's not Cleveland. And I, and I only say, and I would say that half okay. only because I, I did party in Cleveland with uh, my buddy Brian. Uh, we actually had a really good time. And uh, you know what? If 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 you can if you can get the hookup with some free bottle service, any place seems like heaven. Uh, but all right, let me think. Cities favorite bottle cities. service? God, man. I mean, it's funny because you give me crap from being from you know where, and I mean, you're like, for, I, I never do bottle service, like ever. Hey, hey, hey. Ever. I said, I said free bottle service, right? <sighs> I said free. But um, but listen, uh, play, favorite places to visit, right? Um, I'll tell you what, Seattle. I've had a great time, in Seattle. I love LA. I love LA. I love going to LA. I need to go back. It's been too long already. Um, I love DC. DC is a great place to go to, and Kansas City has been a really good time the last few times that I've been there. So, off the top of my head, I you know not to put them in any order, but if I we're gonna pick five places that I usually go to, um, it's uh, Seattle, LA, DC, KC. How many is that? Is that four? I don't know. I I, I think yeah, four. Right. So around. Oh oh, you know what? I, I, oh. I, I I almost made a mistake here. I'd say Philly. I'd say right now, the place that I I have the best time uh, these days is is Philly, and I, and I'm in I'm in Philly a lot, and I go out a lot. I, I got my peeps in Philly that I hang with, uh, and I have a good time with. And it's a great, you know, pretty good time. You know, I go to the Union games, and I you know I, I cover the games, and then uh, chill out downtown and enjoy the nightlife there. And it's a pretty good pretty good time. And uh, internationally though, San Jose, Costa Rica. Amazing times in San Jose, and uh, I'll be there again in September, and I'm definitely looking forward to it. Uh, I'm going out to LA in September. You want, uh, you want to come with? You gotta send me the dates, man. I might have to go out. I'm I, serious, dude. I, I, dude, I I always find trouble in LA, man. You should come out with. Oh, I don't know about that, Ben. No, I tell you what, <laughs> I need an LA trip in my life. I, I I can't not go 
this year. So I'm going to look on the calendar. I'm going to find a trip to go to. I'm going to find a reason, a good valid excuse, a good valid soccer-related excuse to go to L.A., and then I'm going to go because it's just, you know, there's just something so refreshing about L.A. Um, And I tell you what was funny is, um, who was it? Oh, when Booker Negger signed with Chivas USA. Um, and, and people were like, what is going on? Why is he doing that? Why? You know, like people were, some people were just freaking out at the idea that he would want to play for them. And, and, and I tweeted something like, you know, people who have, who, who don't get why he would want to play there, uh, haven't spent much time in LA. And then of course the LA haters came out of the woodwork, right? They came out of the woodwork and they're like, oh God, what you mean? The traffic, the smog and this, and I'm like, listen guys. Yeah. But then you see the talent and, and you're willing to, you know, avoid all those issues. It's not even that. It's laid back. The nightlife's good. There's so many different kind of neighborhoods <laughs> to hang out in. I don't know. I love LA. And I tell you what, there's very, listen, there's very few places that I could honestly see myself moving to in America. Cause I, I look, I, I'm a Jersey boy. I love Jersey. It's, it's just, it, it is one. It's who I am. It's, it's what I've grown up to be. And I love it here. There's not many places I would leave Jersey for. LA is on that very, very short list. Um and uh and I would definitely live by the beach. I'd go do Redondo. I'd try to do Redondo or Hermosa, one of those. Great place, great place to live. So we're we're gonna do it up. I'm gonna look up in the calendar. We're we're gonna get together and 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 have the SBI show LA edition. We're gonna do it. You know, I, I lived in LA. I, I didn't I didn't enjoy it that much. Uh, I, I enjoy know, I enjoy visiting it more than I, I enjoy living. Yeah, you there. know, I I've wondered that. I wondered that because I I I, I it. it a couple years, two years ago, I went to. I must have gone to LA six or seven times, right? Uh, you know, work related trips, and uh, I remember thinking then, like, man, I could really live here. But then I was like, you know what? Maybe it's one of those places that you love to visit on a regular, but if you had to live there, it would it would, it would kind of lose its uh, lose its appeal. So I don't know. I don't know. All I know is I need to go back and and it, and uh, have a trip there. We we might have to plan it, Ivis. Well, uh, that wraps up the show today, man. Everyone, as always, thank you for listening to the show. Ivis, you and I will be back again, of course, on uh, on uh, when we have the show up. I believe Friday. We'll have the show up on Friday to preview preview the next game, uh, USA versus Cuba. It, it, let me, uh, before I forget, and, and I, I'm going to need, you know, those of you who haven't had a chance yet to take part in our SBI Q&A, right? The SBI show Q&A, because let's face it, not everybody is up at 1 a.m., when we've been asking, when we've been actually tweeting out people for, to remind people of this. So this is what I want you guys to do. Those of you who would like to ask a question in the SBI show Q&A, um, tr- look on, on Thursday afternoon, uh, after, say, 4 p.m., tweet at, try to tweet a question with the hashtag, ask the SBI show. Uh, anyone, you know, if you, if you send a tweet out with, with the hashtag, ask the SBI show on Thursday, uh, sometime in the afternoon where we can see it, there's a good chance that, you know, if it's a good question, we'll pick it out. Cause I, you know, I kind of feel bad. We, you know, we're constantly doing our shows really late and this is, and so we're, we're getting a lot of the same people asking questions and, and we appreciate that. Definitely. We love, we, we, we love to having our, our night owl regulars, but I know there's a lot of you that would like to take part in the Q&A and, and just just can't because the timing never works out. But now you know. Make a note. Write it down somewhere. If you want to ask a question, 
look, look, you know, try to remember to do it on Thursday and, and send it on Twitter. I was the uh, we're running late. We're running long on the show today. We, know, we're trying to do these three, three, three shows uh, a week to, to lower our times. We're running long today on the show. We need to wrap it up. Ivis, thank you, thank you. I will talk to you again later no, this week. No, we're what? not. No, no, no. What? One more, one more. What? 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 One more? What? Oh, I got to make one more comment. Okay, go ahead. Listen, folks. If you haven't done it yet, uh, please try to give us reviews okay. on the iTunes. We we've gone a little. We've run a little dry with reviews, and uh, you know it definitely helps. You know the in, the input definitely helps us uh, know what what's working well, what's not working well, what we need to work on, what you like, what you don't like. Let us know. Uh, you don't have to. You don't have to be super glowing praise, but if you want to, feel free. But just let us know. Let us know if you like the show, if you love the show, you don't like the show, whatever it is. Let us know on iTunes in the rating section. Yes, and we also appreciate the comments on the uh, on, on your website as well and in the SoundCloud too. Ivis, that wraps up the show today. Finally, you have a good rest of the week. Uh, we'll talk again later. We'll have the next show up on Friday. As always, everyone, thank you for listening to the SBI Show.